All right, James, you want to kind of just uh, explain the rationale for the pod? Yeah, this is the first episode of the Launch Angle podcast, and uh, I'm James, and this is Drew. We run Launch Angle on various social platforms right now where we really just talk about the best tips and strategies we have for pretty much everything that we apply in our own lives and in our professional lives, I would say that's a fair assessment of, of what we do. So runs the gamut of everything from tips on career success, productivity, um, personal health, uh, personal wellness, and uh, more sports performance stuff as well on uh, Drew's side. Um, so yeah, that, that I think about explains what we do. Yeah, I would say on my end, a little bit more of the nutrition, exercise, and then kind of psychology stuff too. Although uh, James obviously touched on a lot of the psychology as well, um, kind of philosophy uh, in addition to that. And then also James has a big background in nutrition um, where he kind of has leveraged that with some work in grad school and also uh, his undergrad degree was in nutrition. So uh, a lot of overlap between the two of us, but um, yeah, hoping to kind of give an all-encompassing kind of uh, platform to um, guys that are right out of college or um, still in college that are kind of looking for ways to get started um, in this direction of, I guess, personal growth, for lack of a better word. Yeah, no, I think that's a good jumping off point too, and and maybe to give some history is that Drew and I know each other from college we met in college and did it just cut out now we're good no you're good um drew and i met in college and what we really what we really got along best over was it started with nutrition and fitness and and all things kind of health and wellness because like drew said my major was nutrition um and then we we became good friends through that and have pretty much been on I guess a bit of a journey together over the last three, four years, just bouncing ideas off of each other, talking about everything that we read, that we listen to. We're into, you know, a lot of the same stuff, but I think what's cool about what we talk about and and just our uh, relationship as people is we, we have a lot of overlap, but I think we both get a lot of inputs from a few very different sources and then can bounce those off of each other and so it makes for um just some really cool conversations that we figured we might as well start recording and posting for others yeah and i think um that leads into kind of what we're doing now as well um as kind of another jumping off point uh obviously we started with similar backgrounds like you said you were in nutrition for undergrad we both went to westchester university uh, in pennsylvania about an hour outside of Philadelphia. Um, James was nutrition, I was exercise science. And then from there, uh, we've kind of taken different routes, which is also kind of uh, changed perspectives for the both of us. So I've gone for more of a sports performance route, mostly working in baseball. And then James, you wanna share a little bit about what you're up to now? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I, I graduated, like you said, with a nutrition degree and then not really knowing what to do next. In retrospect, this was the reason I, I went to graduate school for a 
the degree was called nutrition and metabolism, but it was a very bench science heavy degree at uh, Boston University. And it's a great program and it's very interesting to me. And a lot of that material still is interesting to me, but the career path from that was, you know, something in science or something in nutrition or, or maybe the medical field and just really wasn't um, what I was totally set on doing and decided after one semester that I would drop out and try to do something different because I'd never done anything different. And that led to me um, interning at a, at a startup accelerator. And that's how I kind of got into the world of tech and business and now cut to a year and a half after dropping out. Now I'm an associate product manager at a tech company and that's been good. It's been different. Um, learned a ton along the way and yeah, my background has changed dramatically, but I'm still into a lot of the same stuff that, that Drew is and, and kind of uh, still very tuned into the health and wellness space, just not from really a professional perspective. Yeah. And would you say that, you know, obviously interning for um, that startup accelerator, what was that a year and a half ago, you said? Yeah, it was back in yeah. January of 2021. So little, little more yeah. than that. So is that kind of trajectory into the position that you're in now typical or um, is that kind of like an atypical trajectory? Is that faster or slower than usual? Um, just for the listeners no, that don't really know. No. And one of the, the, <clears throat> one of the things I really like about what I do and uh, will kind of tell people about or, or would be my Kind of my advice for any young people just graduating college or people who are early in their careers is um, right now in the working world, you, the biggest thing I've learned since graduating college and, and dropping out of grad school is once you're in the real world, smart, hardworking people just want to work with other smart, hardworking people. And if you can put in the work and, and show value and, and be willing to learn, people will give you opportunities you know, that's, that sounds very simple and easy on the surface. Obviously, there's a lot of hard work behind that. But um, to go back to what your question was, Drew, no, my background, actually, for product management, it's, it's not atypical. People come into product management from all different roles and backgrounds. And that's actually why I was originally attracted to it, because my, my big fear after graduate, dropping out of grad school was who in the world is going to hire me. I've never taken a, a business class right. or a technology class in my life. And that's the great thing about working in, in tech and, and, and for startups. And, you know, again, if you're, if you're driven and curious and, and hungry to learn, you, the, somebody will find something for you. Um, you, you'll, you will find some opportunity um, that can kind of gets into this idea of like expanding your surface area for luck, which we can, we can talk about, which uh, I think is very helpful, but um, yeah, that about, that about sums that up. Yeah. And so, you know, that's something I don't even really know a ton about, like being a project manager. So um, is that more macro level or is it micro level in the weeds? Are you kind of just making sure the bigger components are coming together or is it kind of zooming in on specific components or is that kind of left to the other people on the team? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, product management is, is cool because, and again, another reason it was attractive to me because, like I said, I have no formal business education. It's all been experience-based for me and, and learning in my free time through books and online courses and things like that. 
Um, and what I really like about product management is what it is, is you're, you kind of touch many different parts of the business. You're, you're customer facing in a lot of ways and that you're talking with customers a lot and finding out what their uh, pain points are and their problems and really understanding why they use the, the products that they use and, and why, what they're actually doing. There's a framework in product management called jobs to be done, which I think people can use in any uh, profession that is really helpful. And with some, the thing that sums it up is like, when somebody buys a drill, what are they buying? They're not buying a drill, they're buying a hole. Like that's, they're, they're buying a drill for the job. And it's, so, so the idea is that people buy products to hire them to do something essentially. I you're see. not buying things, you're buying outcomes. So it's customer facing in that way. And then it's also very much internal because you're communicating with everybody who, if you have a sales team on the sales team, on the customer success side, so they know what's evolving with the product and what's changing. That being said, you're also kind of a, you're, you have a lot of domain knowledge. So if people have questions about how things work, they usually will ask you in some way or another. And then you're also interfacing a lot if it's a tech company with the developers and, and talking to them, to them about what's technologically feasible that if you have ideas for, you know, product, you can't just, you know, a, a company has, has multiple different resources that it draws on to build products. One, you know, being obviously capital and, and time, but the other one is just the technical feasibility of things. You can't just, just spin things up out of nowhere. There's, you know, um, a lot more that goes into it. So it's talking with them and then it's also interfacing a lot with like the executive and the marketing team to think about big picture where's the company going what's the message we want to be sending to people how does building this feature or this product line convey that message to the uh you know the customers that we want or the customers that we already have um and where does it situate us in the market so it's very all-encompassing it's very holistic um that being said, you're also not a manager of anybody. It's it's kind of a misleading title. Hmm. You're you're the manager of your piece of the product or a product line, and that you're you're seeing it to fruition and to success, and you're responsible for it. But you're not managing a team of developers. You're not managing anybody in marketing. You're you're on a very horizontal plane with them, and it's much more about your relationships and your ability to. Um, really listen to people and then also tell your story and, and be um, persuasive is the wrong word, but to just really be a conduit for the customer, for other people in the business and to lead just like very empathically and, and from, you know, like a mental and emotional standpoint, just really um, understand other people's concerns and, and, um, yeah, that's kind of rambling at this point, but the point is you're, you're not, no, yeah, it. definitely. No, it's, it sums it up really well. Yeah. Um, and one thing I just wanted to kind of touch on was the, uh, concept that you kind of hit on of luck surface area. So for people that don't know what is luck surface area, um, where do you get kind of exposed to that concept or mental model, um, yeah, I, I, I can't remember where I got going on what mental models are. Yeah, uh, maybe in a future podcast or down the yeah. road. Um, um, so, w- what is it? And then also, like, have you uh, tried to harness that in any particular way in your own life? Yeah, luck surface area. So the first thing about that is luck and risk are just two sides of the same coin. So um, 
you know, good luck, bad luck, you know, who knows. Um, but luck surface area, all it is is just doing things that expand your likelihood of receiving good opportunities. So one of the tangible ways this is done is um, to be fully transparent is what me and you are doing right now is starting a podcast, getting our ideas right. out there and personalities. And with, you know, one of our goals, just so people know uh, behind doing more stuff on social media and doing podcasts like this is to meet more people who are like-minded like this and to um, open ourselves up to opportunities of people who are interested in this kind of information and these kind of things. So that's what it is. It, it could be writing, writing online. It could be posting YouTube videos. It could be um, going to networking events, uh, just going to any events really where you think you have a likelihood of meeting somebody um, who you know could be impactful on your life. So that's expanding your surface area for luck. Another way to do it, that's like, that's a way to do it that really touches um other people in a direct way but you could also do it just it it could be a very single singular pursuit in that you know you spend three months learning a new skill and that increases your mm. surface area for luck because now there's whole right. other arenas that are open to you to operate in and to receive opportunities and and i think it's just helpful to say that the same goes for risk like if you're engaging in risky behavior all the time or things like that, you're, you're expanding your surface area for, for bad luck. Um, so helpful to think of it from the other side of the coin as well. Um, but that's in a nutshell, that's what expanding your surface area for luck is. Yeah. I would say another thing that kind of hits on that luck surface area, as you brought up, uh, you know, like learning a skill for three months is a concept that I think Tim Ferriss talks about a lot, which I feel like is, undervalued and that's um being like a specialized generalist so i think a lot of listeners out there if they're still trying to figure out what they want to do um think about like your unique skills and how you can combine them to create your own specific niche right so um say professional athletes right they're in the 99.99 percent of people in that sport Okay, which is really hard to get to, to specialize and be one of the best, you know, you're probably the top 50 or 100 uh, people in that certain thing, if people know your name, and you're well recognized. But if you put two different things together, uh, two different skills, let's say, like for me, um, what I'm attempting to do, I'm not, you know, an expert in either one of these at this point, but putting together exercise and nutrition, or let's say, exercise and a certain language so you can connect um you know in multiple different languages with people um or even you know you could be a psychologist by trade who also has a really good knowledge in nutrition right so leveraging those two separate skills um you're able to kind of build on that and then create your own sort of niche so don't feel like you have to completely specialize in something yeah Drew, and I think you should actually talk about that more because this kind of parlays back into the service area for luck concept, which I think you actually really used well in your career with your experience learning a second language and what you do now. So maybe you just want to tell people a little bit more about that. Spanish in high school and was pathetically bad at it and, uh, ended up dropping it, I think in Spanish three. So it was in the 
third year of high school. So halfway through my junior year, I dropped Spanish and went to German. Uh, thought I couldn't learn languages despite, you know, getting tutoring and all that. Um, and then during the pandemic, I kind of revisited Spanish because I knew I wanted to work in baseball. Um, and with a little bit more motivation uh, than last time, admittedly, I was able to get my Spanish level up to more of like a um, requisite level to be able to have conversations, rudimentary conversations with athletes. And there was a pretty niche position for the team that I work for that required nutrition knowledge and then also Spanish. And, you know, my abilities were just enough to be able to uh, get the position and go down to the Dominican Republic as part of the position. And um, now I'm kind of like snowballing um, in terms of that skill development with Spanish, right? Like I had a requisite ability. I increased my luck surface area to bring it back to that by taking this job. And now I'm kind of just learning Spanish by just like being around different people. Um, and I'm further creating that niche for myself by increasing those skills. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that explains it really great. Yeah. I think you've done a good job just from knowing you and, and maybe you can explain it a little bit more, but of being very deliberate <laughs> in how you've stacked all your skills going from, what was it? It was, you know, um, exercise science in, in college and then sports psychology and then nutrition. And then now, you know, it's, Spanish is is being added on top of that in ways that help you expand outwards. So I think you've gone about it a very deliberate way and it's a good model for people uh, to follow. Yeah, and I think honestly, it's not that I was much better than anyone else at any of the things that I've done, whether it be nutrition, Spanish or exercise. But I think something that a lot of the younger listeners can kind of learn from is just like asking for opportunities, you know, in a non-assumptive way. Um, two of the big opportunities that I got um, that led me to where I am today was just from going to the person that held the highest position, the director of the sports performance department, and just kind of saying, hey, um, you know, what do I have to do to be able to get an internship or to help out with your company? And more times than not, if you present it in a um, you know, non-assumptive way and show that you're willing to go through the processes that anyone else would have to do, like interviews and things like that, um, and they already have a relationship with you, a lot of times, more often than not, if you're asking for a low-level entry-type position, they're just going to give it to you. So I think that's something that a lot of younger listeners can kind of learn from. It's just asking things in very non-assumptive ways, just kind of throwing it out there and just not pushing it too hard. And you can get a lot of things by just, just asking. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. And you, you can get pretty far by just asking. Another thing that is helpful is, and I, I've learned this from uh, Eric Jorgensen, if anybody's interested in checking him out. He, um, he does many different things. Right now he's he's, primarily an angel investor, but he wrote a great book called career advice for uniquely ambitious people. And it's only 29 pages. You should just go pick it up on Amazon right now and read it in the next half hour. It's, it's very good. And it's just kind of a distillation of everything he's learned from, from his career and his time working. And one of the, the his first piece of advice in that book is to choose your manager, not your job. 
And the whole idea behind that is to work for somebody who's going to be interested in your success and give you opportunity and who wants to see you grow and, and it's going to help you really help mentor you in a lot of ways and help get you the skills to go where you ultimately want to go versus just taking the flashy job that maybe sounds good, but you're working for somebody who makes you miserable. Um, and, and one of the lessons in that of like choosing your manager is to, you know, find somebody who you admire in a given field. And um, we, maybe in a later podcast, we can talk about how to like kind of systematically do that because there's very, I think, easy ways of doing it. And look at what they currently do and look at where you could provide value. So people who you admire are probably successful and they're probably very busy. You can, with just some research and some a little bit of domain expertise on your behalf, learn more about what it is they do, learn more about what the ins and outs of what they do is, see where you can provide some value, maybe take something off their plate or do some research for them, whatever it may be, and just send them a succinct email asking to do that for them. You want to, before you ever ask somebody for help or ask somebody for something, you want to give something first. Mm. Um, and so that's a great way to do it. And then it's a chance for you to show that you, you're capable of it. Now you've at least built a relationship with this person. Even if they don't offer you any position, um, you've got somebody else in your network, somebody else you can, you can you know, draw on for advice or um, just being a sounding board. And then maybe down the line, you have that opportunity. So it's a great asset to invest in is um, we're, we're talking about networking a little bit right now, but um, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. I think just kind of sum that up. Um, it's like the mental model of reciprocity, right? Humans love to reciprocate. So if you give somebody something, even if it's very small, they will find ways to do something even bigger for you. And it usually builds and builds um, mm -hmm. in a reciprocal nature. Um, but yeah, the, um, you bringing up the career book for highly ambitious people, um, kind of hits on another theme, right? Especially for this audience, which is being highly ambitious. Were you always highly ambitious, James? And, um, and I already kind of know this answer, let's say academically. Um, and when did you kind of hit an inflection point where you found that you were more highly ambitious? No. <laughs> I was <laughs> yeah uh no I wasn't I was a I was a not a good high school student not like uh failing every class but just like very middle of the pack I probably had like a 2.5 GPA in high school and just didn't really just didn't college just high school just didn't really resonate with me I, I wasn't even I didn't read I was probably always a curious person um and but I I never applied it in a way that was very academic um but I did become very much more ambitious, at least in an academic sense, when I got to college, because I had really, my senior year of high school had really gotten into nutrition. And once I got to college, found out I didn't have the GPA to get into the nutrition program, you needed a 3.3. So I had to get my GPA up, up to a 3.3, which um, getting into that program was a huge motivating factor for me to like really learn how to study and learn how to get good at school and just made me really driven. And I, I did, I got the GPA within, within one semester of being at school and was able to get into the program and then had um, a very good academic college career um, after that. And, you know, college is a whole other subject we can talk about of like 
what what is today's necessity necessity yeah. what is the necessity of college for a lot of people if you're not doing something that requires some sort of um you know college certificate or professional degree um but a lot of what i learned in college of like how to study how to work hard um the work ethic i developed from school has helped me tremendously today and has fueled a lot of um my professional success and um but yeah no i was not very ambitious as a person before college and i think it speaks to something that's interesting about just like you really need to be curious and have skin in the game i think to be be ambitious like if you don't feel like you're an ambitious person or you don't feel like you're making progress you might not be focused on the right things like you you there's probably a good chance that you are capable of pretty high levels of success as soon as you just focus on the right the right thing i mean the perfect example is what you were saying like you didn't care at all about learning a language in high school but as soon as it became okay um the next stepping stone to you going where you really wanted to go it became no-brainer easy for you to do like and you became very interested in it so yeah yeah i'd yeah. say it's also like for both of us me learning a language and then you also wanting to get into this nutrition program it was your choice right in mm -hmm. high school you were kind of just being told to take classes that you didn't necessarily want to take um, times you probably didn't want to be going to school and study to get a certain GPA so you can go off to college. Um, but then, you know, once you get to your freshman year and it's that 3.3 GPA hurdle that you have to get over to do something you actually want to do, um, then you really get motivated to do it. Um, same thing for me. Like, I didn't want to learn Spanish. I had no reason to learn it in high school or so I thought. Um, and then once I got to, I guess it was like my first year of my master's during the pandemic, I had all this free time and um, it was something that I actually wanted. So um, I think that's a, a big motivating piece as well. Just having that motivation behind it um, obviously fuels the learning a lot more than just being told what to do. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Yeah, I think that is something that could be a whole other topic. That's something I'm pretty interested in is like hearing stories about people who they're in, they're having skin in the game in some way or, or having a vested interest in the outcome of something help them learn. I've heard stories like this and I'm interested in finding more stories like this because I think it just says something very interesting about how people learn. Um, I, I read about it recently in the newsletter actually, this guy, Stu Fortier, who um, he's a serial entrepreneur. He, he's come up with a bunch of different companies. I think his most recent one is called Foster. It's a writing, almost like a writing social network um, where writers can go and, and get uh, input on their um, on their writing from, from a network of other writers and, and, and editors and things like that. But he explained in his newsletter how when he graduated, when he was in college, he really wanted to start a company and he really wanted to, it to be in an app. And so he hired this, this app developer 
um, just off the internet who he didn't really know and gave the guy, I think all his savings, which at the time was just a few thousand bucks. And the guy totally fleeced him. He never delivered the app. He took his money and, oh shit. All right, we're back. The Zoom crashed. But what we were talking about when we left off was how if you're interested in the outcome of something or you know you have skin in the game, you have something to lose, um, that can really be something that's, that lights a fire under your ability to learn something new. So if you feel like you're not um, open to learning new things or you're not feeling particularly you know, ambitious or curious, and you're not sure why, it might just be because you don't have, you're not, there's not something you're interested, there's not an end state you're interested in for being, um, for learning something. So that that's a huge motivating factor. So that's what we were talking about. Um, I don't have any more notes on that subject. And Drew, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if you do. Yeah, I would just say like, a lot of it's accountability, right? Having skin in the game. Um, and putting in some type of investment. That's why, you know, a lot of people know what they should do in terms of exercise and nutrition, right? They're not looking for the personal trainer, dietitian, nutritionist, or whoever it is um, to necessarily give them the best plan. They might be able to make a plan that works perfectly fine by themselves, but a lot of it's just accountability, right? Having skin in the game, having an investment in that person, having a time where you need to be at a certain place and, you know, being invested to be there. Um, but I'd say one thing that's been kind of foundational for the both of us is um, I was actually a nutrition major my, uh, my freshman year and I was a baseball athlete at my university. And for both of us, anatomy and physiology was a, a foundational thing that led to a little bit more confidence in, um, in our abilities to learn and uh, abilities academically. Uh, I was kind of given this ultimatum from a professor at the beginning of the, actually at the beginning of the school year when he's handing out the syllabus that, yeah, 40% of people are gonna fail this class and then have to retake it or drop out of nursing or nutrition or biology, whatever it was. Um, and I ended up passing that class, getting an A in it. And I think that that was confidence that I really drew upon, just like you did from an anatomy and physiology class. And after that, you know, I've had a lot more self-efficacy when it comes to learning. And uh, I would just say kind of personal achievement in general outside of sports. Um, and something that I would just keep in mind, you know, if you're whatever, junior in college, senior in college, or even, you know, you're... 25, 28 years old, those experiences can come at whatever time. So it kind of sounds esoteric, but, you know, keep yourself open to those experiences. There's no timeline to any of these things. Uh, the inspiration will come at any point. You just kind of need to be open to it. Yeah. One of the best ways I think to be open to that is to consciously do difficult things, which also sounds easier said is easier said than done. But yeah. that, like you were saying, was was for me too. Yeah, that's the anatomy piece that we have in common. Was yeah, I was I was I took anatomy my sophomore year in college, and by that time, I still wasn't convinced that I was going to be a, a good student in college. I mean, I'd only really one semester, one or two semesters under my belt of, of doing well in school, 
and this was the first real test and and i you know i got the same talk we got the same talk from our professor and you know a lecture hall of 120 people that hey you know something yeah like 40 50 percent of people are gonna fail out of this or, or fail or drop out before they fail um in my immediate thought was oh yeah that's totally gonna be me like that's absolutely gonna be me but i don't know i had this moment of uh just kind of suspending my disbelief that um suspending this belief that I would do bad in it because one, I was still very interested in staying in the nutrition program and, and having a career in healthcare. And I knew this was, um, anatomy was unavoidable. I had to take it. You had to know it. And I also figured I kind of had this moment where I was like, well, you know, if I'm going to have the future that I want to have, it also really behooves me to know this stuff well. And so I just had this moment of like, all right, I'm just going to go all in and, and, you know, that ended up being the best class for me in college. I, I you know, um, got A's in those classes and then other uh, biology and, and science classes down the line that were kind of notoriously difficult that I did really well with just because um, I was invested in the outcome of doing well in those classes. And the payoff from doing difficult things like that just extends to everything else that you do. Like, I don't use much of what I learned from anatomy and physiology today, but what I do still use is the feeling of accomplishment from having done something difficult. You just creating those, that proof of concept for yourself that you can do something difficult is one of the, probably the most valuable thing that you can do for, you know, any future endeavor you undertake. So, um, so yeah, at it today, you, you know, you, it, you can just do the most difficult thing you think you can do and um it'll pay dividends uh a book we might end up talking about at some point is um which i think we've both read is the almanac of naval ravikant and for those who don't know naval ravikant he's a great investor and entrepreneur and and today really just almost like thinker he he you know he's he's a bit of a philosopher i guess nowadays and one of his pieces of advice in this book is to if you're faced with a choice between doing something that is difficult and painful in the short term but pays off in the long term versus something that's that's easy to do and kind of pleasurable in the short term you should always pick the thing that's going to bring like the most pain the most painful decision in the short term because it's just going to have so many benefits for you um in the long term yeah no i definitely think that um you know that mindset about doing the things that are painful in the short term for a long-term payoff is uh, definitely apt and i think it's something that we've slowly gotten better at in our own lives but obviously it's easy to succumb to things that are easy and uh, pleasurable in the short term um, i think something recently that comes to mind for me is doing a master's degree, um, I would say in the short and um, obviously it's relative, but the short and medium term, it's pretty painful uh, going back to school, doing a, a master's, but in the long term, you know, I guess the hope is that there's a long-term payoff, um, although that's not always, uh, not always a given, but I think that's a good place to wrap for today. Um, James, you want to kind of just touch on you know, where people can kind of find us and the, uh, the rhythm 
that we hope to take with this podcast? Like how frequently we're hoping to do it? Yeah. So um, I will, I'll link some, our social links in the description of this podcast, but um, I believe we said it at the outset, but what we're really hoping to do is, is we're, we're branding this as the launch angle podcast. Um, Launch angle is kind of the umbrella from which we want to do a lot of different things. Um, For now, it's just kind of going to be expressing our thoughts and our conversations and um, sharing what we know on social media. Um, In the future, it might be something more, but, but yeah, so you can find us at, you know, the launch angle podcast and we're going to do this every week, um, you know, 30 minutes to an hour and just really talk about what you guys see us doing on social media. So on TikTok, we try to post short little videos, just kind of like some of the lessons we talk about here. Um, we also have an Instagram, we have a YouTube where some of those clips go up and probably um, probably throw the podcast up on YouTube and in the future, potentially some longer form videos up on YouTube. And, you know, big picture, we, we'd love to just really meet more people who, who are interested in these conversations and, and maybe in the future, we you know, have guests on and things like that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really what we envision for this. Yeah, I think that's a, a good summary of it. And um, just for even more transparency too, um, James and I have kind of talked about doing a podcast for a while now um, and, you know, kind of start some type of initiative uh, targeting guys that are, you know, the same age as us that are kind of going through the same exact life experiences or a little bit uh, behind, you know, age-wise in terms of these uh I guess stages of growth, right? Guys that are just kind of in college or exiting college. Um, and, you know, our initial goal is just put out um, a TikTok every single day for 30 days. Uh, oftentimes, James and I switch off which days we do them. Um, and then a podcast each week. Um, and it's going to be recorded on a Sunday and dropped on a Monday or Tuesday. And yeah, I think uh, just a little bit of accountability from you guys on that end would be uh, pretty awesome as well. So uh, keep us honest on that one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and for anybody listening, feel free to comment on maybe topics you'd like discussed or, or questions. Um, that's, that's part of what this is supposed to be. It's supposed to be uh, collaborative. So yeah, that being said, um, I think we're going to hop off now. And uh, yeah, this will come out tomorrow, which is uh, September 12th. And yeah, we look forward to uh, doing more. All right. Podcast one. That is a wrap. Thank you guys. All right. Thanks, man.